Thank you for joining us. Glad to have you back once again. And it's a solo episode. That's right. It's time to check in on mental health. Because if you remember about three months ago, end of May approximately, I brought the podcast back with an epic solo episode. People came out of the woodwork to tell me how much they appreciated it. So I think it's time to do a little bit of a check-in. And long story short, things are good. Things are good. And again, I started this show not knowing exactly how it was going to go, how it was going to end, the things I was going to say. And famously, I've talked about this a bunch. I haven't listened to that episode back. And I maybe should have for this. I don't know. I don't particularly care. But what I do know is... When I recorded that episode, I had just come out of a bad, bad, depressive episode. Seriously, one of the worst of my entire life. Just because of the nature of the things going on and my mindset, my business was not in a great place. Uh, There were challenges at home. There were challenges with parenting. And a lot of those have resolved themselves. First, let's talk about the business side. My business has picked up remarkably. Deft Communications is my day job. So quick plug. Deftcom.us, D-E-F-T-C-O-M.us. I've picked up a bunch more clients, and it's weird. I mean, this is intuitive, or at least it should be intuitive, but it's not something you can really manufacture. It's not something you can fake. But when you're in a depressive episode, you're putting that out into the world, and people recognize it, and it's hard to get any momentum going because, as my friend Kyle told me, You have to manufacture so much false energy, so much false bravado. You have to take everything that's in you and you have to generate it, put it into a huge ball and then get it out in short bursts. And it just feels so inauthentic and it's exhausting. It's a terribly inefficient use of energy. But when I turned the corner, when I came out of it, the whole world seemed to open up. I had a lot more confidence about myself and People gravitate towards that. Now, this might be serendipitous because I had a lot of things come down the pike that weren't ready to materialize at the time. But I'm much... Where am I going with this? I'm in a much better place financially, business-wise, project-wise. I love the clients I'm working on. I love the things I'm doing. And I'm actually busy again. Thank God. And it's weird, though. That can be its own kind of trap. Because I found one of the ways that I cope with depression and cope with sort of being down is burying myself in tasks, burying myself in work. And, you know, that's, that's a very easy thing to do. If you're so busy, you can't think about what's going on inside this big stupid stew pot you have sitting on top of your neck, then it's easy to ignore. But I've worked really hard not to ignore that too. I'll also tell you, just because you're busy doesn't mean the problems that you were facing before 
automatically go away. That is 100% true because I still owe a bunch of money to the federal government. I just straight up. I owed a lot in my taxes this year and I'm not done paying it all off. So I think about my financial obligations a lot and it can weigh me down. Like literally, if I think about it too long, I just want to curl up into a cocoon and go away forever. That's a bit dramatic, but you know the feeling, right? Where the weight of the world's problems, your own stupid life, get the best of you and you just want to shut down and go away. But what I'm doing is I'm looking at that and going, you know what? One step at a time, one piece at a time, one project at a time. You get, you crawl out of that hole, both mentally and debt-wise, and you just do it one foot in front of the other, and that's what I'm doing. So trying to be philosophical about it, trying to keep a positive mindset. It's not always easy, but I'm doing it. Now, one of the other things that I was talking about in that episode was we had some challenges here in the house. Back in April, our floorboards were starting to warp. We had discovered that some genius, when they were building this house, stapled through the water line that fed our fridge. That resulted in a tiny little pinhole leak. Who knows how long that that had been occurring? Because you can't see it. You know, it's behind drywall. It's behind a sheet of plastic. It's like buried in the insulation. And when they stapled the plastic up, just put a tiny little staple right through the water line and ruined our floors. So through the process of that, we had to suck all the moisture out. And then we had to rip out our floor and they had to install a new part of our floor. It was like this five foot section from the fridge all the way to the back wall, which was quite unseemly. Once they get it installed, and this is all paid for by insurance, by the way, quick plug for Liberty Mutual that it feels odd for me to plug an insurance company, but they have been a delight to work with this entire time. So if, if you're thinking of changing insurance companies, I've had a great experience with them and uh, really appreciate the work that they've done here because they've taken care of us here every step of the way. But that means that we had to move every single thing out of our first floor and cover up as much as we could because there was going to be a lot of dust. They're sanding something like 900 square feet of wood and then they have to restain the entire thing. So everything out, and I was getting flashbacks. I could feel my depression creeping back in just because it's like another thing, something to add onto this where I'm moving stuff into my basement, moving stuff into my bedroom, moving stuff into the garage, and basically just uprooting our entire lives. And then when they actually do the work, you got to go move into a hotel. So that's right. We were in an extended stay last week. That's why there was no episode last week with... Me, my wife, my two kids, my two cats living in this tiny little hotel room had this tiny little kitchen that was adorable. I've never seen like a stove that size. It was like, no one's going to get this reference, but I don't really care. It's like that movie Ski Patrol when they play the prank on Murray, who's like the ski uh, head of the Ski Patrol, and they make him think he's growing and they make him believe he's a giant by putting him in this tiny house with all these like tiny appliances. There's even like a tiny little chessboard. It's one of the funnier payoffs in a movie. And that movie, granted, is not great. It's kind of like Police Academy, but it's one that I absolutely love. It's one of my favorites. And thank God my wife loves it too. And it's funny when we met because 
somehow the movie Ski Patrol got brought up and she's like, I love that movie. I go, I can't believe you even know what that movie is. I should have married her on the spot. Took a little longer than that. But anyway, regardless, we're in this tiny little hotel room for a week. Neither me nor my wife are particularly looking forward to it because, you know, it's like not terribly far from our house, but it's increasing our commute. The girls are uprooted. The cats are in the hotel room. They had to sleep in our bed. We're in this much smaller bed than our normal bed here. And they're in there. So you're sharing space with all these, you know, life forms. And what's funny, though, is my girls keep telling me this week. They're like, I really miss the hotel. And I go, well, you know what? Then we did a pretty fucking good job that week. And that makes me really, really happy. Now, granted, got through it with a lot of booze each night. Not particularly happy about that because it's causing me to continue to gain weight, which I'm sort of gaining control of now. But they loved it because, you know, we said to them, we're like, hey, this is our hotel adventure. We're going to go stay in a hotel for a week. It's going to be really fun. There's a pool there. They got to swim in that hotel pool, which was essentially just a cement hole, you know, right next to I-25. But they loved it. You know, they don't know any different. They're three and almost five. For them, this is high times. This is a great, great little vignette in their life that they've never had before. So they had a fantastic time. Thank God it ended. And now we're still in the process of putting our house back together. It's a project. It's kind of an ordeal, but no one wants to go through this, right? No one wants to have water damage. No one wants to move everything out of their house. No one wants to uproot their entire lives for, you know, these, for the week, especially. But before that, just dealing with all this bullshit for months, I mean, I've talked to my insurance guy now more times than I would ever care to. He's a really nice guy, and I could get beers with him sometime. It's not going to be anytime soon because I have spent way too much time on the phone with him, and I'm all set on that front for now. But this is also an opportunity. And if you don't think of this as an opportunity and you don't take this opportunity, you're an idiot. So we're reorganizing some things. We're doing some things that probably should have been done. And it's not until you have to that you're forced to examine the things in your house that you can put them together in a different way. So again, it's all about mindset. It's about mindset with my kids where it's like, yeah, we have to go live in this fucking hotel for a week and it's going to suck and all that. No, we're going to go on this hotel adventure. They had a great time. Yeah, it fucking sucks that we had to do all this with our house, but you know what? Now we actually have an opportunity. Let's take that opportunity. Let's optimize our house. Let's make it better than it was before. So that's all coming together. Now, granted, in the back of my mind, just because there's so much added nonsense that I have to do every single day, and I say I like I'm doing this alone, but Kristen is right there with me. My wife is there, and we're both sort of trying to tackle this together as a united front. So when I say I, I actually mean we, and I I don't mean to do that. It's just sort of Uh, a lazy construction on my part, but we're doing the best we can in the back of my mind though, with all this extra bullshit, it's sort of gnawing at me. And I feel my depression, like wanting to reemerge. It's wanting to come back. And some days are easier than others. Some days are easier than others. And there are days where I go, I'm just filled with anger and resentment and 
in, in some ways, just sadness. Like, why did this happen to me? Like, why are we dealing with this? It's like, no, fuck that. And fuck you. Shut up. Okay. This is your life. Buck up. Deal with it. Get shit done. And thankfully, that voice has been louder than the voice in my head that wants to go towards despair and resentment and sadness. That is a process. And that is something that I am working to train myself to do more and more. Because here's the thing. The episode before this one, I talked to Shahara Mattingly. And we talked about a lot of these same issues. And when we got off mic, she told me this story. Like, it's like a parable, essentially. Where you're walking down the street, there's a hole up ahead, and you just walk and you end up right in it, and you go, why am I in this fucking hole? Like, I hate this hole. I don't want to be in it, and I don't know how to get out. And you just sit there, and you stare up at it, and you go, well, goddammit. And eventually, you find your way out of it. You're walking down that street again, maybe a week later, whatever. For the sake of this parable, we'll say, yeah, a week later. And you go, oh, that hole's coming up. You get into it. You go, oh, God, this hole again. I hate this fucking hole. Like, why am I in this hole again? But it takes you a little bit less longer to get out of it. Third week comes around. You go, oh, that hole's coming up. Okay, I, oof, I don't know. I'm worried about it. You end up in it again. But you go, okay, I recognize this hole. I know how to get out of it. I can, like, I have tools now. I've been in this hole twice already. I know how to get out of it. The fourth week... You start walking down that street and you know that hole's up ahead and you go, what the fuck am I doing? I'm going to just take a different street. That's ridiculous. I hate that hole. I don't want to be in it again. Let's try a different street. Maybe that street ain't got no holes in it, right? And that's what I'm learning to do. When I feel these feelings and this mindset try to creep back in, I go, wait a minute. You know what this leads to and it's nowhere good. Fuck that. Take a different street. So I'm doing that to the best of my ability. That's what this mental health check-in is all about. Because I was watching the movie Parenthood recently from like 1989. You know, Steve Martin, Mary Steenburgen, Rick Moranis. Just a whole fucking cavalcade of characters. Great movie if you're in the mood for a good cry. Which, when am I not in the mood for a good cry? That's something you may not know about me. I'm a weeper. I cry all the time. It's fine. I like it. I don't know if I like it. That's probably the wrong way of putting it. But I recognize it about myself, and there's something cathartic about it. And there's a scene towards the end where Jason Robards, who plays kind of the family patriarch, does this whole speech to Steve Martin because his youngest child, who's a real piece of shit, played by Tom Hulse, needs like $26,000 or gamblers are going to kill him. And Jason Robards says, you know, you never cross the goal line, spike the football, and do your touchdown dance. You never, ever stop worrying. And he's talking about parenting, and I can appreciate that, certainly. My parents worry about me all the time. They tell me so. And, you know, I've gotten together with them, and they're like, are you doing okay? Do you need anything? Do you need help? And their help has been tremendous, just unparalleled. I I could not ask for more from them. They are just unbelievable people. And I'm intensely grateful that they are my parents. But I think this lesson applies to depression too. Back in May, you know, I had that epiphany, really crawled out of my depression. And here's the other thing. I recognize that your depression or whatever you're dealing with may not exactly work that way. My wife has told me hers doesn't necessarily work that way. It's it's just different. And it's 
whatever you're dealing with, it's not necessarily better or worse. Everyone runs their own race, okay? And one of the other things we talked about with Shahara was you can feel like, um, like a fraud or like you're undeserving of help because you go, man, my problems are bullshit. My problems are fucking clown shoes compared to what other people are dealing with. But you know what? You can't do that to yourself because that's unfair to you. Everyone deserves to get better and everyone deserves to feel the best that they possibly can. But when I think back to the state of mind I was in, that felt like crossing the goal line, spiking the football and doing my touchdown dance. And what I found is it never, ever stops. The battle never stops. You are always at war with yourself. And I know this sounds nihilistic and it sounds depressing when you think about it in a certain light, but it's true. The world will keep throwing up hurdles in front of you and it's your job to get over them. So the problems that I was facing back in the early part of this year from good God, February through May, Jesus, it's only like three months. That feels embarrassing to say just in the interest of full disclosure, that feels embarrassing. Three months. That's nothing, right? But when you're deep in the shit, Man, it feels like an eternity. What I'm going through now is just different than that. And the challenges are just, they're not even new. They've just evolved, right? Back then, I was hustling and banging my head against the wall, trying to get business in the door. Now that I've got business in the door, you know what that means? It means I got to do the fucking work and I actually got to deliver it, right? I mean... That's like of the problems to have. That's the one I want. But that's not to say that it's easy. The work that I do is certainly not easy. And the people that I'm working for, you know, expect a high level of service. So it's up to me to deliver that. When it comes to this house, right? Now we got to take care of it. Now we got to maintain it. And when it comes to myself, I got to keep working on myself. I can't just get complacent about this, which is another reason I wanted to do this episode. It never, ever stops. And you know what? In some ways, I'm glad for that. I'm glad the challenges don't stop. If it was complacency and cruise control all the time, shit, now that I'm saying that, that might be nice. Reminds me of as good as it gets too. He's like, some people have great stories, you know, on lakes and boats with noodle salad. Just no one in this car. And the fact is, my life is, in a lot of ways, lakes and boats and noodle salad. But that doesn't mean that the oppression of your problems can't just weigh you down. And whether that's a psychosomatic construction or whether that's real is irrelevant. Because what's real is what you feel. What's real is what you feel. And I'm pausing here because I don't know that I've thought about it in those terms. It's weird when you're holding a mic in front of you and you have no script and you don't know exactly what's going to come out next. Sometimes there are things that you say that give you pause. 
because now I'm reflecting on the last six years, which is really when my mental health started to go on this roller coaster. And I think back to when Kristen and I were dealing with infertility. And that will do a number on you mentally. That'll do a number on you financially. And it will really, really test your relationship in ways that you never sort of expected or could possibly anticipate. And since then, she has gone through a number of jobs. I left my corporate job, started my own business, started this podcast, started a charity thing, which uh, I'm pretty sure is dead now, which I feel okay about. That's a topic for another time. Um, We've moved houses twice. We've had two kids. And that's a lot of life to cram into six years. That's a high level of activity. That's a ton of life changes to deal with. And when you're in sort of a rocky place mental health-wise, that's a fucking lot. And again, it doesn't stop. Because as I record this, I'm recording this on a Wednesday. Five days from now, both of my girls will start a new school. And... It's weird. I woke up sad today and I wasn't entirely sure why, but I was driving them to school and the commute out there kind of annoys me. The commute back is worse just because it's like the end of the day and traffic is worse. When you're sort of going out there, it's not as bad, but that's all erroneous detail, but it plays into this sort of thought that I have. And it's that They're going not only to new schools, but to different schools. And that makes me really, really sad for some reason. And I can't exactly pinpoint why, but it does. And I own that and I feel that. And there's not a lot I can do about that, but their time at this school is ending. And I think back to something I wrote in, Christ, what year was that? 2009? Was that a decade ago when Michael Jackson died? And everyone was bleeding all over their social media profiles and all in the media just thinking about and talking about how sad they were that Michael Jackson died. Now, Michael Jackson, certainly not without his problems and something of a problematic personality overall, but his music is very evocative and you can situate yourself in time and space when you listen to it. You know, you probably, I can't imagine a person who doesn't have a a pronounced memory of listening to Michael Jackson's music. And what I came to realize was getting older is just getting sadder. Like the things that you used to do in some form or fashion are going to come to an end. And when Michael Jackson died, it was a reminder that, Hey, we're all a little older now. And maybe some of our dreams haven't come true. Maybe our life didn't turn out exactly as we wanted. Maybe you had some relationships go sour. Maybe when you associate Michael Jackson in your mind, it's with someone from your past that you're no longer in contact with. And that's sad. It's just a reminder that we're all getting older and that life is changing. And maybe it changed in ways that we didn't want it to. And that's not to say I don't want my girls to grow up and get older. I do, but I also very much don't. When people ask me about my kids, you know, they go, how are they doing? I go, they're so cute and so funny 
and so smart and so clever and so deeply annoying. Because that's true. I mean, they're three and four. That's who they are. They're cute. They're funny. They're clever. And God, are they annoying sometimes. But Jesus, I think about us driving down Colfax, just listening to Rancid or listening to Life to Fix by the record company or listening to California Friends by the Regrets or, you know, just whatever dumb song we're listening to. And they're singing along. We even have little hand gestures for certain songs for the chorus of Memphis by Rancid. You know, we have our little hand gestures for California Friends by the Regrets. We have other ones. And it's just it's fun. And it's a reminder that they're not going to be like this forever. And that sucks. Like, in some ways, that sucks. In other ways, that's great. Right? Because they're going to grow up. They're going to get even more fun to be with. But they're just going to be different. Right? And that's so weird. It's a fucking house of mirrors. Or hall of mirrors. Or whatever the correct analogy is here. (laughs) And you never know which way you're actually going. Because everything around you either looks like the right way or the wrong way or both at the same time. And that's wild. So again, I'll tie this back to the beginning. It's one fucking foot in front of the other. It's always one foot in front of the other. And one of the things I've learned to do too is I was sad this morning when I woke up. I was sad when I drove him to school. And again, I didn't know why. I talked to Kristen, you know, we're just dealing with our normal adult bullshit, you know, oil changes and picking up this and going to the store that and whatever, right? She's like, are you doing okay? I'm like, I don't know. I just woke up sad today. She goes, oh, do you know why? And I go, no. And so I go, you know, I, I don't know. I'm, I'm going to work on it. And the fact that I can actually recognize that and that I can articulate that and just say, you know what? This is what I'm feeling today. And I may not necessarily know why, but this is how I'm feeling. I think that's a step in the right direction. So I'm feeling good about that. So overall, things are looking up. I mean, life is not without its challenges, but I'm in a good place. And it feels good to say that. I'm optimistic. And I'm happy with who I am. And that's a nice change of pace. And it's been that way now for the last three months. So I'll tell you what, let's do this again in three months. And if this was in some way helpful to you, then I'm infinitely grateful for that. And I'm happy to bring this to you. If this was just confusing, rambling, bullshit, nonsense, then uh, I don't know. I'd apologize for having had you listen to it, but I'm really not that sorry. All right. Should we play the outro? play the outro john of all trades podcast is a production of deft communications check out deft on the web d-e-f-t-c-o-m.us as i said i got a bunch of clients now but i'm always happy to talk to you help your organization tell its story in a brand new way whether that's through training content engagement or podcasting our sponsor is four degrees the number four d-e-g-r-e dot e-s if you're doing anything online whether you're building a website building an online community or doing social media marketing or advertising, whether it's a product, service, campaign, or candidate, Four Degrees has got you covered. They will get your message in front of the people who need to see it most. That's 
the number four, D-E-G-R-E dot E-S. Check out John of All Trades on social media. That's J-O-A-T pod across platforms, Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, Pinterest, and Instagram. First jobs go up on Mondays. New episodes get published on Wednesdays. We're on iTunes, Stitcher, a billion other podcatchers, many of which I'm unaware of, but if you're using one of them, thank you. Leave us a rating, leave us a review, hit that subscribe button. I'm back here next week with a guest. That's right. We're getting back to our content, and I'm bringing you high-quality shows, great interviews with interesting people all across the employment spectrum. So can't wait to hear you back here again. Thanks for indulging me. I hope you're well. If you're not, reach out to me. I'm happy to talk to you. I adore you. And until I hear you again, say goodnight, crazy. That's good, Johnny.